Hello everyone, how are we doing? We good? Yes? Am I on? Can you hear me clearly? No, I'm not on, but can you hear me clearly? My voice is normally quite loud. Um, uh, I, was, I was sitting trying to figure out how I can introduce myself, and at this one moment, um, there's just a very important thing that you need to know about me. Uh, I am an avid Ireland rugby fan, an absolutely a- avid fan, and by my recollection, it's about 10 minutes towards the end of the game, I'm watching this later and I don't know the score. If you want to be my friend and still remain my friend, please do not talk to me about the score, what it is. Granted, it's only Scotland, but still. We're hoping that that we've won that. I actually, uh, over the past few years, have tried to to sort of barter with God that uh, if I turn up to church while Ireland's playing, will he let them win? It has failed miserably for the last three years, so I'm hoping I've taken that extra step and actually preaching instead of watching Ireland rugby, that the good Lord will reward me. I don't think theology works like that, unfortunately. But I was going to talk to you about compassion today, but it seems as though that the youth did a better job in 60 seconds explaining what true compassion is than I can try and unpack. But we're going to go for it anyway. Um, In November, about two months ago, I was lucky enough that uh, I was able to go to Uganda with Compassion, the charity, um, for two weeks or ten days, uh, I can't exactly remember. In fact, I got the date wrong and I was there a day longer than what I expected to be. It was great. If it was down to me, I would not have turned up to the airport. Um, but I ended up in Uganda. Uh, in the run-up to Uganda, I, I didn't really have much time to think about it. I didn't have much time to prepare myself for what I was going to see. Work was very busy for me. I was working sort of 12, 13 hour days in the run up, ended up having to work the Saturday So before I went. So before I knew it, it's 3 a.m. I'm in Manchester airport with seven people that I barely knew. Thankfully, I did have one good friend with me. Um, and someone in the Compassion head office decided that they didn't want to pay that little bit extra to, get, to pick your own seats. So I ended up on a 13 hour flight on my own Uh, in the middle of the night, which wasn't great. I was sitting beside a Dutch woman that I couldn't understand a word of. But I I arrived in Uganda. Uganda is an absolutely stunning country. If if you ever have the chance to go or if you've ever been, you'll know what I talk about. It's right on the equator, so it's sunny and wet. So everything is green. I thought Ireland was green. Uganda is, honestly, they they joke that you can plant a seed and four crops come up. It's that kind of country, absolutely stunning. Here's a a picture of one of the uh, the lakes from the mountain pass that I went through uh, while I travelled across Uganda. So I saw this stunning scenery. I I stood at the the equator. I thought that was a very exciting, exciting time for me. I was like a big kid when you saw the water going round. The, the different ways on either side of it. In the north it goes clockwise, the south is anti-clockwise. I, uh, I saw a zebra, that was pretty cool. <laughs> hey, a zebra in the wild's a pretty cool thing. I, uh, I saw a lot of African dancing, more African dancing than I could have hoped for, to be honest. And when you see this African dancing, you have this greater realization that I am very white and I cannot dance. <laughs> At all. Here's, I think this is a picture of me teaching them the YMCA. I have, I have no idea what I was doing. I was very lucky that I got to see the work of the church in Uganda. The, the work that they're doing through compassion. The, the work that they're bringing people such hope. I ate some very undercooked crickets. We have a photo of them. 
if I can get that to work. No. Oh, that's me playing a drum. Some very undercooked crickets. That was pretty disgusting. I got chased by a cow down a mountainside. I, uh, I had money stolen from my hotel room. And then to top all this off, I was in uh, Kigali Airport in Rwanda and we were delayed because some chap decided to get the luggage loader stuck underneath the plane. This is, this is the kind of place I was in. So all that anyone could tell me when I told them all these stories was TIA, this is Africa. As if that makes it better, saying this one phrase that this is Africa, as if that makes it normal. But since I came back from Uganda, I've been trying to process what I saw. To be honest with you, I wasn't hit with the dehabilitating uh, anguish over the poverty that I saw. I've, I've seen poverty before. I've seen it in York. Um, I've been lucky enough to go to uh, Cambodia as well, where I saw, saw absolute poverty there. So I wasn't shocked by it. I knew it existed. I haven't turned myself off that poverty is around the world. And as, as heartless as it, saw, or as it sounds, it didn't hit me the way it may hit some people the first time they see it. But what I was very aware of is that I didn't want to see Uganda from a Westerner's point of view. I didn't want to walk in as a rich middle class young man and think, you have a small house, therefore you are poor. What I really wanted to see was what, what the real issues were in Uganda. You know, what was, what was the, the difference that the aid work and the development work was actually making? What I wanted to know was what this, this young lady's real issues were. That's the size of her house and she has seven kids. I wanted to know really what the issue were, was because all across Africa there was people living in mud huts. What was the, the, the real issue going on? What does God see when he looks at Uganda? My response is... It has been, has been one of what do we do now? How do we respond? What's helpful, what's not? Do we need to send more mission teams out to Uganda? Or do we need to empower the local people through the local church? What is the church's role in this? How do we support as G2? How do we support the churches in Uganda while they are making a difference? But the biggest question that I've been trying to ask myself is what does compassion look like for me? What does it look like in my everyday? Because being in Africa, being in Uganda is not my everyday. It was a, hopefully not. I hope, I hope it wasn't a once in a lifetime trip. But it is going to be very rare that I'm standing in that situation. So what does it look like for us in the everyday, for us as G2, for us as individuals? What does it look like for us to be a church that shows compassion? So the Greek word for compassion is splonknitsamai. Now, please forgive me if I have said that wrong. Greek was definitely not made for an Irish accent. <laughs> but what it translates as is to be moved to your boils. <laughs> please laugh, it is quite a funny thing. When I first read it, I, thought, I, I, I got a bit worried because I thought people were going to sort of assume that I've just made up some awful Irish colloquialism that, and try and pass it off as that. But that's actually what compassion, the word in the Greek, sprung me tonight, means to be moved to your boils. Sounds a bit weird, but in the culture of the day, the, uh, the Greeks and the Hebrews, they put uh, different parts of the body, uh, referred to different emotions. So the boils was the seat of love, it was the seat of empathy, it was the seat of pity and kindness. So when they talk about this idea of compassion and being moved to your boils, it was being moved to the point of love. 
It was being moved to the point of empathy. It was being moved to the point of kindness upon another person, of pity on the situation that they see. So compassion literally translates to be moved to your gut. It's that feeling right down there that you get. You know when you see it, when the, the youth acted it out so perfectly today, when you walk past the, the homeless guy in the street and you get that feeling of, oh, I should do something. I really should do something. It's that feeling you get when you look at poverty of, oh, that's just not all right. Or it could be that it translates a bit differently to you, that you're sitting in work and someone's, someone's uh, being picked on in work or they're being the butt of all the jokes and you've just got that little twinge in your stomach telling you that that isn't okay. That, my friends, is compassion. It's that feeling right in your gut that tells you that there is a need, that something isn't okay, that something needs to change. That's what it means to have compassion, to be moved to your gut. So this word compassion is only mentioned 12 times in the, the New Testament, and most of these are attributed to Jesus, or Jesus says them in his teachings. So that's going to be a good place to start, uh, start with Jesus, and I'm really glad that we actually spent that time in worship, because as we were... As we were praying earlier before this meeting, I, I just got this sense and realisation of that's where we do need to start. You know, I'd written this talk and it was only before we, uh, before we prayed, as we prayed before the service that I really got an understanding of this. That all love and compassion and empathy and kindness comes from God, so that's the place we need to start. So let's just pray and, and ask God to, to come by his spirit now and speak to us. If he is the place that all love comes from, then he is the perfect place to start. So yeah, Father, we, we just pray that you come now by your spirit, God. God, I, 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 help, or I pray that you help us to come into a greater realisation of the compassion and the love and the empathy you have for us. So that we can leave this place a changed people that will go on and change the world. That will go on and change your God, I pray that your spirit is here and it is speaking to us now. Amen. So let's start in Mark 6. Oh, apparently it's not showing up. So we're going to have to look at it in the Bibles. It's uh, Mark 6. If someone has the page number, they can shout it out once they find it. Um, Mark 6, and we're reading from uh, verse 13. So the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd so he began teaching them many things. So like I said, Jesus provides one great example here. One absolutely banging example. It's fantastic. He's tired. He's been giving out and out. He's been teaching all these people. He hasn't seen his mates in a while because they've been off uh, on, on this tour of as, as Jesus released them to, to go and heal the sick and teach what 
teach Jesus' message. So they finally came back. He wanted to hear their stories. He wanted to rest with them. He hadn't even had a chance to eat, so he was hungry. Yet he comes across this boat and he sees this crowd of people and he has compassion on them. In the midst of his own life, in the midst of his own problems, his own mood, he chooses to have compassion. I can't say that I would have that reaction. When I'm hungry, I am not in a good mood. When I'm tired, I am most definitely not in a good mood. But Jesus provides this amazing example here where he's tired, he's hungry, he he probably just wants to be alone with his mates. And it's a perfectly reasonable thing to want. He just wants to see his friends. Yet he looks upon the people and amidst of everything that he's feeling, he has compassion on them. He chooses to have compassion on them. And that's the main point I want us to understand today. The compassion doesn't just happen. It's not something that that just happens naturally from us. Um, To be honest, it probably doesn't get any easier. It's that feeling, that little prompt in your gut and choosing to do something about it. That is what compassion is. It's being moved to your gut and then choosing to do something. Compassion is a choice and we must choose it. Jesus teaches a bit more on this uh, in the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard the story, but if you haven't, there's a, there's a man traveling along the road and he gets mugged. He gets beat up, he gets all his stuff stolen, and he's left for dead. Um, and a Levite, a, a, a Levite priest comes along and, and sees, sees the man and frankly doesn't really want to do anything about it. He, he kind of sees him, comes across to the other side of the road and walks on. Another man comes down the road um, and, and sees the man and again walks, walks on. Sees the man in trouble and walks on. But then in Luke 10 we read, but a Samaritan, and a Samaritan is uh, someone from, the, from, from a neighbouring uh, neighboring village, neighboring, neighboring country, that they were enemies, frankly, to this man. They were, it's like Ireland and Scotland, we'll say. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. So a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, when he, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds, with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. The good Samaritan in this story chooses compassion. He didn't have to. These guys were enemies. He didn't have to stop. But he chooses to take time out of his day. In fact, he ends up staying over the overnight with this guy. He takes time out of his day. He takes the effort to go and see him. He even pays money for this guy that he has just met and probably will never see again. This is the example that Jesus teaches of what compassion really is. It's a choice when you see something that isn't right, when you see a need, when you see something that, that just doesn't sit right with you. It's when you choose to do something about it. So the last week we were in Uganda, we stayed in this place called Kisoro. It's down a little town near the Rwandan border. And it's one of the poorest areas of Uganda. Um, they have serious problems with drink. They, they basically make their own and people are dying because they're making their own alcohol at ridiculous strengths. And they have a serious problem with the males in the, in the community drinking. They will... Uh, 
basically spend the very little money they have on alcohol and come home and because they've been drinking, domestic abuse, um, sexual abuse is running rife through this, this area. One of the, the team, the guy that was leading the team, a guy called Ian Parkinson, has been to Kosoro many a time and he absolutely loves the place. Some, something about that has captured his heart. So our expectations were high when we were going into this, uh, going into this place. So we came through this, uh, this mountain pass. Uh, we, it's actually a, a place in where the gorillas are, the only place in the world where gorillas are in this, in this forest. Unfortunately, we didn't see some, we did see some other little monkeys, which were pretty cool. But we came in off this mountain pass and I was looking at the place going, you know what, this is nice. Yeah, it's a lovely place. Well, I, I can see why he likes this place, but I, I didn't really get why he was so passionate about this place, what it was about it. But it wasn't until I met this guy, Chris. Uh, Chris was a head teacher. He had worked himself out of poverty. He had grown up in, in this area and he had grown up in poverty, but he had worked himself out of that. He studied hard in school. He had went on to do teacher training and he was the headmaster of, of quite a decent school, earning quite a decent wage. But the thing that was special about Chris was when he opened his mouth and prayed. As soon as he opened his mouth and prayed, the Spirit of God was so clearly upon him that you couldn't help but feel it yourself. See, Chris had, had felt this call in his gut of compassion. He had felt it for the, the area that he had grown up in, for the kids that weren't going to school, the kids that were dropping out, the kids that couldn't afford to go to school because their parents were drinking. He had felt compassion on, on, on these guys and he left his well-paid job to come and work for compassion and do something about the poverty in his, in his local community, in his local area. Chris spoke with such passion that you could literally feel the compassion in his gut radiating from it. I know that sounds like a weird concept, but I was sitting on a bus and as soon as he started speaking, my gut went, oh dear me, and it wasn't the dodgy food. It was an incredible experience just meeting one guy that was so infectious in his compassion for the, the area that we were in. It was obvious that he had acted upon it. In Kosoro, actually, that, this area, I met countless people that had done that. I met ministers that were earning, earning less than the people that, in their community that they were serving. But God had called them there for compassion with their people. Incredibly, actually, this is probably one of the, the biggest examples and challenges that I had when I was there. The way compassion works is that they, they, they say that we have, say, 100 kids. That's how many spaces that we have in this school. As a community, decide who needs it. And as a community, all of them are in poverty. All of them need the, the help. All of them need uh, the support to bring their kids through school. But as a community, they decide who needs it most. And they turn around and say, well, you know what? I am struggling. I am, I, I am poor. I am struggling to feel my, feed my family. But that, that, lad, that single mum at the end of the road with seven kids, she needs it. That was, I, I was amazed at the challenge that these people set. I went there as a, as a, as a rich Westerner on this, on this compassion tour, thinking that, oh, you know what? I'll see what what great good that the, the West is doing and how much compassion we have. And, and frankly, I was taught by the, by the very people that we're serving. 
Would that happen in our, com in our country, in our culture? Or are we quite selfish when it comes to that? Where's mine? What do I get? Where is it that you're feeling a prompting? Where is it that you feel it in your gut? And what do you feel you should do about it? Because compassion is a choice and we must choose it. Compassion's work is split into three main areas. So you've got the child survival program, does exactly what it says in the tin for kids aged zero to four, they, it, they basically help them survive. The mortality rates are, are quite disgusting, frankly, uh, for kids under five. So compassion's work is we want, them, we want them to get to school, get them to school healthy and, and alive. That is, that is the, main, the main focus of the Child Survival Programme. Then they've got the Child Development Programme for ages four to roughly 20, 21, depending on how long they take to finish school, essentially. Um, and that is, it's all about the child development, it's all about spot our education, both academically, both socially, child, educating them about hygiene, about sexually transmitted diseases. This is the kind of stuff they learn. And then a small group of, of the academically gifted uh, young adults, they go on to something called the Leadership Development Programme. This is a great, absolutely fantastic <coughs> programme that they, we, people in the, in the Western world sponsor these kids to go through uni. They get mentored by, by Christian business leaders. They get mentored by church pastors. Because compassion see it as investing in the leaders of tomorrow. So instead of us as Westerners going over and solving anything, these are homegrown leaders with Christian values that would go on and change the country that they live in. So on the first day we were in Uganda, we, uh, in the morning we went to one of these, these child survival projects, so all the great work that we they were doing there. Here's me playing with some of the kids. That chap on the left has a great smile on his face. They absolutely love the programme, the kids. These. And the mothers as well absolutely love what the local church is doing and in helping them and supporting them and their kids are surviving because of this programme. Later that night we had dinner with four of the, the leadership development students. Now it was absolutely incredible for me to see in a day, essentially, you've got in the morning, you see where these kids would have started out, and 12 hours later, I'm sitting having dinner with these four 20-year-olds that are well-dressed, well-educated, articulate, and are absolutely on fire for Jesus. So the thing that, the thing that really got me about these, these four guys um, over dinner was when we asked them what's next, What's next? What do you want to do? You've, you graduate in a year. What, what is next for you? One of them said, I'm going to start a fashion company with an ethical supply chain. I don't like that there's corruption in our country, so I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to start uh, my own clothing company so that those making the products are not exploited. <coughs> Another one said, I'm going, to grow, or I'm going to return to the area I grew up. I'm going to teach them all about sustainable sustainable farming, sustainable agriculture, so that we can then feed everyone in the community. Another one of them said, I'm going to be a politician. I'm going to serve the people of Uganda and not be corrupted by the power but that, that the people in, in power are now. Another one, and this is actually my favourite one, oddly, was that I'm going to design and build the first Ugandan car engine. I loved it. 
Because he saw that, that a way to build up the Ugandan economy was to invest in the Ugandan economy. Have something that we can sell. Have something that can bring us out. We have the resources. We have the, the, in, the academic intelligence that, that we can design our own engine. Let's invest in our own, in, in our own economy and let's change it. Each one of these students all said they were going to give back. If we turned around and asked some of our kids, some of our teenagers, what do you want to be when you grow up? A vast majority of them will say famous, a lot of money, and a great job. It's all say, very self-focused, but here's four guys that have came out of poverty, have known what it's like to live with nothing, and yet they still look on their pit, the people of Uganda with compassion and have decided to do something about it. Compassion is a choice, and we must choose it. So my question today is, where is it that you feel compassion? Maybe for you it is this poverty in, in, in the far-off corners of the world. Maybe your response to all this is that feeling in your gut that you should give the, the 25 quid a month it is to sponsor a child. Let me tell you that the, I've seen it firsthand, the effect that sponsorship has on these children. And actually, if, uh, just as a complete side note, how many of you sponsor children now, or sponsor a child now? Answer honestly, how many of you write as often as you think you should? Basically none of us. I'm guilty of it as well. I'm telling you now the effect on these children that it has from us just writing a letter to them and having an interest in them is incredible. Actually, statistically, in the Compassion Programme, those that have active sponsors and those that have, who write to them uh, regularly, who invest in them, who have a, show a real interest in, them, in, in these kids, statistically, they are the ones that do better in, in, in school. They're the ones that are more likely to graduate the programme, are more likely to go on to better jobs and bring their family out of poverty. That's not a guilt trip. I've already felt the guilt trip of, of standing there. I do not write to Little Bomb Face in Kenya enough. But I'm going to start because the effect that it has on these children is incredible. If that is you today and you think, yeah, you know what, I can afford 25 quid a month. I can afford to help a, a, a kid across the world pull him and his family out of poverty. Then if you want to go speak to Laura, Laura, if you want to stand up. Laura, very kindly, is an ambassador for uh, compassion. And at the back, she has a load of info uh, and some profiles of kids that need sponsored. Maybe that's you, maybe that's your response to all this. But maybe your gut feels for the, the poverty in York. Maybe that's where your gut goes, oh, that's just not right. Maybe you look at the, the homeless in York and feel such compassion for them. Then get involved, do something, choose to do something. If that is your feeling in your gut, that's where you feel compassion, then go and do something about it. Choose to do something about it. It's interesting to note that compassion, as we read it in the Bible, isn't always about physical poverty. In the example earlier, it was a much more about, that we used with Jesus, it was much more of a social or, or an emotional poverty that these, these people were, were coming to, to, to have a need fulfilled. These people had no leader to speak life into them. They were hungry for the truth and the hope that Jesus was speaking. And then Jesus had compassion on them. So where is it that you feel compassion? Where is it that your gut twinges? Where is it that your gut hurts for what you see? For me, it's in business. 
You know, I see people coming into work and burying themselves in an unfulfilling job where their manager undervalues them in a hope that they get a promotion or a pay rise. And then I have compassion upon that manager because all he's, he's just stuck in the system as well of trying to move up the ladder, trying to move up into more positions of power, more positions of influence, because that's what success is, right? Success is more power, more money, more influence. It's the title in my job, that's what success is. That is where I feel compassion. That is where I, my, my gut hurts when I see that. So I have to choose to do something about it. We need people to choose compassion in their schools. We need people to choose compassion in their unis, in the courtroom, in the doctor's surgery, in our businesses. We need people to choose compassion in York streets, in UK streets, and in streets across the world. If Tang Hall is where your heart is, then go do something in Tang Hall. There's no point in saying it, go do something. That is what compassion is. We need to choose to, to have compassion in our, in our social, social situations. We need to choose to have it in our homes. Heck, we need to choose to have it in our churches. We need to choose to look on the person that, that frankly annoys you a little bit or is just getting it wrong all the time, or has let you down, or is talking about you behind your back. We need to choose to have compassion on that person. Guys, G2 is a sum of its parts. Look around you. This is G2. You are G2. It's not some far off concept. The person beside you is G2. So if we want to be a church that has compassion, if we want to be a church that is defined by having compassion on others, then it's up to us. We are the ones that have to go and do something about it. So the question I want to leave you with is, where is it that you feel compassion? Because compassion is a choice and we must choose it. We're going to watch a quick video um, that has been prepared by Compassion about f- uh, four people that have, have went through the system and have been brought out of, out of poverty. And while we're watching it, I want you to, to keep that feeling in your gut of where it is that you should have compassion. Because this is just an example of, of how it can change people's lives in a very, very real sense. So I just want to leave you with that thought. That compassion is a choice and we must choose it. So where is it that you feel compassion for and what are you going to do about it?